This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, dreamers, and welcome to the Dreamers Disease podcast with myself, Alex Manzi. And this is where we aim to inspire you to become the best version of yourself. And we do that through hearing the stories of inspirational people who are out in the world chasing their dreams because I believe that it's the disease of dreaming and not doing that causes us to live unhappy lives. And it's something that I lived for many, many years working at my old job at the BBC and before that and decided to start this podcast to help my journey and also to try and gain some wisdom and motivation from each guest that then you guys could apply to your own life too. So on this week's episode I am joined by David Speed who is the host of the Creative Rebels podcast which is an amazing podcast if you haven't checked it out. He's also the founder of Graffiti Life which is a company which him and his partners turned their passion into a business and not only that, but they now get to work with incredible brands to provide them with graffiti and street art kind of services. So it's great to hear David's kind of story. And he's got an amazing outlook on life. He's constantly referring to the fact that he sees life as being all about happiness, no matter what struggles you come across. And during this conversation, we spoke a lot about why he quit his job as a primary school teacher and decided to start this company. The struggles of entrepreneurship as David's someone who's been running this business now for eight, nine years. So he's been through the real tough times and, you know, has come out the other side of it. He also spoke about why he limits himself and his social media use to certain times of the day. The importance of sleep and a good nighttime routine. We also discussed how he launched his podcast and debuted it at number one in the iTunes business chart. So he gave us a kind of bit of a breakdown and a bit of inside knowledge as the process behind that. And... We also spoke about why being a rebel can lead you to happiness. And like I said, this is an amazing, amazing interview. And I'm really privileged because David's a friend of mine and we've both helped each other with the podcast and stuff. So it's really great to kind of sit down and chat formally on record. So before we do jump in, I want to thank you for listening. Do make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this right now. And if you can, it'd be amazing if you could leave a review because the review helps the podcast grow and get the message out there to more people. But right now... Let's jump straight in and hear David's story. Hello, Mr. Alex Manzi. I'm, I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Um, so just to kick things off, can you uh, explain to the listeners who you are and what you do? So I'm a professional graffiti artist. Um, so that's, I guess that's what I'm most well known for. Um, I paint uh, professionally now. Uh, I used to be an illegal graffiti artist for about 10 years. And then when my friends and peers were sent to prison for doing graffiti I kind of realized that I did not want to go that way mm. um so started our company graffiti life um in the beginning there were just three of us we're now a team of um 15 and we're recording right now in our yep, studio yeah, in Shoreditch yeah. um and yeah so that's been kind of a, a wild ride um the company we started the company in 2010 um and the whole ethos behind Graffiti Life was, which is the name of our company, um, the whole ethos behind Graffiti Life was to create a platform for artists and creatives because at the time in 2010, we didn't really feel like we had one. Mm. Uh, like there were no kind of podcasts or help or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just like starting a business around that time, it just felt like everything was against us. Like we had no sort of help from anywhere. Um, we just had to cobble it all together ourselves. Um, so yeah, so I've been running the company for nine years, um, grown, um, quite significantly. We make a lot of art for big brands. So we paint a lot of like advertising murals, mm -hmm. paint in people's offices, 
Um, we do kind of corporate team building where we teach people how to use a spray can. Mm. Um, and basically, yeah, we, we provide a bunch of different artists with uh, a kind of outlet to, to get paid doing what they love, which is graffiti. Uh, and that whole ethos of getting paid to do what you love sparked our most recent project, which is um, the Creative Rebels podcast, um, which you've been a guest on. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that whole, the whole mission of that is just to kind of, yeah, help people realize that whatever it is that they love, they can do for a living because we did. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's possible for, for loads of different people to do that. Um, we also have a tattoo studio around the corner on Curtain Road. And um, I'm also a speaker and I write a blog every week and I try and keep my social media up to date. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, content, a lot of content production. Yeah. How, how are you finding that? Because uh, you've, you've only started, obviously, since the podcast, like uh, increasing the output of your content, as it were. And like, yeah, so it's just like tweeting more and obviously there's more posts about the podcast, the blog, the this, the that. How's that yeah. transition been? It's interesting. I'm tweeting more because I think I'm I'm thinking more. Mm. So because the podcast is is coming together, I'm interviewing all of these incredible guests and I'm having time to organize my own thoughts. So I'm forcing myself to be on Twitter more um, because at David Speed UK. Um, but I'm, I'm forcing myself to do that more um, and rather than just thinking the thought, like I'm, I might be listening back to a, to a um, interview with a guest, something will pop into my head mm. and I think, okay, rather than just letting that disappear off into the ether, actually get out your phone and tweet it because someone else might pick up on it. Mm. Um, and that's, I think that's the cool thing about social media and Twitter especially is just those, those within 280 characters you can you can actually really inspire someone or that might be the the little kick that they need that day um so yeah but i i think that yeah content for us i mean predominantly the most content that i'm producing is for the graffiti life feed Mm. but to produce one tiny little square that you zoom past and give it a quick like and it's on your phone for like three seconds maybe max I mean, that takes us one, maybe two, maybe three days to paint. Yeah. So that's what a lot of my time gets taken up with is painting these walls. Um, I was painting today fully and that that's a that's a big kind of time commitment. And the podcast, for me, it's not so bad because I just do the interviewing, but <laughs> my business partner, Adam, does all the editing, which is obviously hours of work and and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think it is, I think it's hard to keep on top of social media, but what I try and do is have different blocks in the day where I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on social media at those points. Mm. And then I don't really look at it other than that because you can very easily get caught in the trap, in the loop of constantly checking, constantly updating. And then I think you start to waste time because social media is really useful, but only if you go on and you use it for yourself rather than letting it use you, which is what it's designed to do. Exactly. Uh, And so, yeah, kind of bucking against the, what the app is actually yeah. designed to do and just using it for your own benefit that's what i'm trying to do yeah I've, it's funny you say that because i've just done my own kind of like life hack where um i basically you know on on the iphone you've got the screen time app so you can limit certain times of days you can limit um using your app so you want to stop using your phone at 9 p.m to 5 a.m i've done it the other way around so I, i've set the apps to lock themselves between 11 a.m and 5 p.m so that when i'm working 
the distractions of like notifications or even if I do that you know automated reach for the phone go to hover my thumb over into and I click it it says "Ah, ah, you're locked out do you want to unlock it and then you feel bad you're like now I'll put it back down and continue what I'm doing and I find it really helpful yeah adding in that that just that one little piece of resistance it's it's like Mm. because it's it's just a an instant like habit to grab for the phone to click onto Instagram and then you're in and you're and you're scrolling and it's away but just that little are you sure Mm. triggers in your head like am I sure is this productive? Is this something that's actually going to benefit me by scrolling down my feed or, or am I just wasting time? Mm. And most of the time you're going to come away and go, yeah, actually, no, I don't need to be doing this right now. So, yeah, so true, isn't it? That's um, a good good tactic. Yeah, this it's worked really. I've been doing it for like a month nearly and it's, it's working. Like I'm starting to, even when my phone is off the lock in the evenings, I'm reaching for it less because I'm focused more on what I'm doing, which is cool. Um, but yeah, so... I want to just, you said something at the beginning about um, you're now a professional graffiti artist. You used to be an illegal graffiti artist and you know a lot of your friends were kind of going to jail and getting in trouble and stuff like that. What was your kind of life like when you were on the streets as it were and, you know, illegally painting? It was a lot of fun. Uh, It's a time in my life that I look back on really fondly. Like Mm. I have amazing memories of of just the stupid stuff that we did you've got any like ridiculous stories <laughs> i've got about a million but that'd <laughs> probably get me in a lot of trouble um i think like i i don't i don't regret anything that i did um we never looked at ourselves as vandals or criminals mm. i mean when you when you think about it really i mean we're just we were painting mm. it's it's really silly um and i think so um, so me and Adam went on a deep dive recently and I, I found out something about myself that was really, really critical. Um, I think the last time we spoke, we were talking about like kind of gaining mastery. And I said yeah. that when I first started as a graffiti artist, I sucked and I was really rubbish. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. a good painter. And then over time, gradually, gradually, I got better. And we talked about 10,000 hours and becoming like truly great or something. And... I realized what it was that was pushing me on wasn't the incremental wins of of doing the painting and getting better as I went along. What it was that kept me going was the experiences. Mm. It's because I was hanging out with like a specific group of people and the painting was kind of like the 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 side effect. It was like that was that was something that we did when we went out. Yeah. But what was important was the actual going out. And had I started to learn to paint on my own, I wouldn't be the level of artist I am today Mm. because it was every week or, well, most every evening, really. I was was going out because I wanted to hang out with these people. Mm. And through wanting to do that, we were doing something together, which was painting, I accidentally got good at painting and and like the last time we spoke I wouldn't have given that answer I would have said I just practiced relentlessly because I loved graffiti and I did but I've just I've just had that realization of that's why that's why I got good the why behind the why yeah yeah yeah, which is which is nuts but um but yeah man I I mean so I've got a couple of different stories of when I got like kind of chased out of out of train yards and um chase down the railway lines and things like that which um which were really really fun times for me because obviously there was a huge adrenaline rush 
Um, I remember once being chased in, in Brighton and we had to cross, this was broad daylight. And I think there's about, there's either four or five lines that, that run into, into Brighton. But because we were idiots and we were young, we were, we were painting during the day mm. and uh, we got rumbled and we got chased. And literally the only way that we could get away was by crossing over um, the, the five lines that run into yeah. Brighton station. But it's broad daylight, so the trains are running. Mm. So literally we're stopping in the middle and waiting for a train pass to pass, Jeez. which is blaring its horn at us. And all of the commuters are looking out of the window. Like I'm, we're making direct eye contact with people who are going to work yeah. that are looking out their window of their train and just seeing these, these three kids like standing in the middle of waiting for the train to pass. And when we look back and there's like dogs and, and police like Jeez. running down the, the cliffside to, yeah. to come to cut, like get down to where we are. So we're running away. And I remember someone started laughing which just set us all off. Yeah. So we're, we're diving over the third rail so that we don't get electrocuted and cracking up with laughter. And I always kind of like told that story quite fondly. But then like last year, um, three kids were killed yeah. Um, yeah. by like, because as the trains go past, you can feel it as if you're on the lines, as a, if a train goes by really close to you, you can feel it kind of suck you towards it. Mm. Um, and and yeah, last last year three kids like tragically were killed, um, and that could have been me like like ten years ago because um, we were, I was in those exact same situations. So I think I think when you're young, you um, not that I'm an old man, but I, looking back at when I was sort of eighteen, nineteen, twenty, doing putting myself in really dangerous situations, um, I did think I was invincible, and I did think, oh, that will never happen to me, and. It was only when people did start getting sent to prison um, that that I kind of realised, yeah, this is actually real, and we are actually playing like with huge stakes. But at the same time, like that was what drove us. We we felt that strongly that we would take those risks to create our artwork because really we didn't see like why is it a crime? Like because we weren't painting on people's property, we weren't mm. painting people's cars, houses, places of worship. Like we had rules as yeah, fucked yeah. up as that is. We had little yeah. rules that we, we abided by. Like we'd paint the side of the railways because we thought they looked brown and boring. They were just like buffed out with council, whatever color. And it was just crap. We were like, wouldn't it be better if people are going to work and they look out the window and see a bit of color? Mm. And that we thought that was cool. Um, and it was maybe a little bit misguided, but yeah, it was it was a fun time and I enjoyed it, but I'm I'm in a very different place now and um the the kind of burning desire to uh kind of put my art in places where it wasn't supposed to be um i never thought that would disappear mm. but it kind of it has disappeared and uh and i i think i always wanted to reach people and by putting my art where it wasn't supposed to be i felt like i was reaching people but it wasn't until starting Graffiti Life and then with the podcast as well that I realized I can reach people on such a bigger scale now mm. with with and I don't have to put my life at risk to do it. Yeah, no, that's wicked. Is that is that why you think the desire's kind of um fallen away because you've you've found that desire through other avenues? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. It's because um, I, I always used to say that my my passion was painting, but I think really my passion's helping people mm -hmm. um i think that's the thing that i enjoy the most because when i get 
DMs from people that have listened to the podcast. It's like, and it's the same for you. I know we've we've spoken about this before, but it's, it's like it's the best thing in the world. Mm. Um, and so all of that time while I was breaking the law and running down railway lines, I was training to be a primary school teacher. Yeah. And I was telling kids to behave during the day. And then I was going out and breaking the law in the night, like leading this weird double life. Um, but I was teaching them because I wanted to help them. Mm. For a lot of those kids, I knew I was the only kind of positive male role model in their life for a lot of them. And I took that really seriously. And I, yeah, I, I wanted to help them, but I, I knew that I would be, I was, I knew I was heading that route of I'm going to be a primary school teacher and I can help 30 kids uh, over one year mm. period. And it's just, for me, I was like, that's not enough. I want to help more people. Um, and so it started off by how can I help basically a handful of people that are my friends that are graffiti artists and that was by starting the company and now it's become I mean I I mean when we first met like you were a big inspiration for me wanting to get into the podcast appreciate because I um you remember, I don't even remember the first time we met yeah, but yeah. I, I came and saw you talk um and just I was looking at various people that were that were doing this that were that had podcasts or had YouTube channels or whatever it was that were actually affecting people's lives that mm. they would um that they would come out and be able to that like take the courage to actually try and do something um and i guess through running a company for nine years like we've built up a decent knowledge base yeah. and we know what we're talking about and yeah it just it just works so i know that we can help people and we can give people actual tangible advice and that's for me that's the the key that's what gets me out of bed in the morning now yeah then i think you know like you said the same is for me really it's like being able to you know i'm constantly learning about myself and different kind of ideas and theories and reading books and listening to podcasts and watching videos and talking to other people who like yourself you know when we're not on mic who are doing really amazing things and having these kind of conversations and I, i'm trying to just repackage all of that information and give it back out in my own unique way so that people can learn from it or take something from it and i think i tweeted something um recently that was like i said it, it just takes that one book that one quote that one conversation that just that one thing that will spark that inspiration for you to go and change your life and move it forward and that's what it was for me it was a quote that was um i'm terrible at remembering quotes like word for word but it's essentially um you're always one thought away from changing your life and i was just like oh actually that's so true and that's kind of sparked a whole along with like all the other events that you know many people have heard about before in terms of like being depressed and finding myself in this hole and then you know being like completely broken and then working forward from that but it was that realization of like actually I can change this myself with my thinking and it's like how do I go about doing this and learning about it all and then now packaging it up and trying to pass it on to people you know it's it's a powerful thing man because it's like you're doing it for yourself as well as you are for other people and that that kind of exchange of the energy is like huge right yes yeah, it's, it's it's insane so um the the podcast our podcast is nine nine or ten episodes old it's not very old it's been out for like a month and um we've already been contacted by like three mate like major brands really? um two of them are competitors for each other oh, really? uh, which <laughs> is quite interesting yeah and that was the the point of it was never that yeah it was never that and i think if we'd made if we'd made a, a show that was designed to do that 
I don't think we would have done it, you know, like, mm. um, because we'd be trying to appeal to the, to the corporate sponsor and that, I don't think we would have hit the ideal, like, I don't know how you do that, yeah. but we just made a show that was designed to help people. And yeah, just when you do that, you're talking about like, yeah, it being selfish, like help, like helping people is hugely selfish because it, it feels great. Like mm. getting those DMS feels great. So, um, yeah, but this is the weird human animal, isn't it? Yeah. And I and I love I I think I because I read that tweet when you uh, when you sent it out, and I I think it's so true. Like, you're one thought away from from changing everything, and most people are too too caught up and too scared to to have those those thoughts. Um, but I think if we can if we can show through our journeys and talk to other people that have done exactly the same thing eventually it's going to get through to people if yeah. you keep listening to the content and i know what it's like to be in that position where you're like yeah but they're but not that's not me oh yeah i can oh i can't understand how he did it but but not me yeah yeah, yeah. and i've because i've been through that myself but finally one day at one point one piece of content is going to get through to someone and they're going to go actually yeah, I, I could just do that, and then they'll then they'll change, and then that'll be that's why we're doing it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's very similar to like, you know, I guess when you started the company itself, you know, you, you would have started it in with an idea of like, okay, cool, let's start this company for ourselves so that we can start doing the graffiti professionally, and then we can bring in other artists, and they can start getting paid for it. Plus, like the brands and the companies that you work with are getting stuff in. Um, so like when you did actually start it, did you have like a, like a goal that was like, was it like a long-term thing of like, cool, we want to be doing this in like 10 years, 20 years, or in 10 years, we want to be at this point? Or was it just like, let's take it year by year, month by month or whatever it was? Um, for me at that time, it was very much week by week. Mm. Um, I remember uh, my business partner, Yona. So it was me, Yona and Adam that, that kind of were the three uh, sort of main founders and i remember there was there was one there was one month that i was just i was like moaning to them and i was like oh, if we could just get in like if we could just get in one job for like i don't know 500 quid yeah. then that would like that would solve so many problems because like we could all we could all take like 100 quid and like have have some money for that would last us the month i mean it was literally we were making absolutely nothing and it was really really hard I had to like move back in with my with my mum and dad and um and I sold my sneaker collection and we all made massive sacrifices mm. to how to old were you at this point? Uh, I was twenty seven. Yeah, I was twenty seven. And yeah, we we all made like massive sacrifices um to start it off. Um and I I was just thinking week by week, I was like, Oh, let's just we've got to get through the next week and then try and get a job in and just it was it was a scramble um but adam had a long-term vision and he and he he described this place to me a couple of years really? ago wow. yeah which is which is insane so yeah i it took me a long time and and that was mostly through my amazing business partners telling me that no actually this is an amazing company and this has such a growth potential mm. and it's it's really interesting because um, where we've succeeded and people have seen that there's money in what we're doing. Um, there's been like copycats that have come along yeah. and they are running their businesses 
much better than we are because they're running them like professional business people yeah, yeah. because their goal isn't to help people. Their goal is to make money. And, but because our goal is to help people, that's why we've got 15 members of staff. Like, do you know how insane it is to deal with payroll for like <laughs> for 15 members of staff? It's fucking outrageous. And the, the, our competition, they're smart. They're, they're like one man bands mm. two like two or three members of staff, maybe like, um, and then paying like artists not very much money. Whereas we're like totally fair. We're paying like really good wages to people. Um, but that's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Mm. Like I, I'm not, I'm not driven by money. I don't, I don't want to be sit like, I'm not going to say I don't want to be like, I will be super rich eventually, but I have this weird thing of, um, like I'm the king of delayed grat gratification. I, I knew when, I remember very specifically, when we first started off, we needed 300 quid for um, some materials. And so I sold a load of sneakers, man managed to get up 300 quid, bought these materials. And then when there was enough money back in the company, I could have taken the 300 quid out. And I didn't because I knew it was better to leave it in the company. Yeah. And I said to myself, like, I'll take that out eventually but it's stronger in the company and I've never taken it out. Yeah. And you've probably put more in as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, and I continue to do that with this, with this kind of vision of like down the line, eventually it will, it will be huge. And I mean, like I, t I take a great wage and I'm perfectly happy and, and I have, I, I'm comfortable and I have everything taken care of. Um, and it does seem like with everything that we're doing, like we're just getting so much attention from different brands at the moment. Like I think our trajectory is definitely, is definitely upwards. Um, but I'm not, I'm not looking to like go and buy a, a Supreme BOGO. Like mm. I'm, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm looking to, as long as I've got enough money to survive, it's like, oh, how can I then put that money back into the company to, to help people? Yeah. And do you still get like the, the fear of just it all being taken away drastically in like any moment and, how do you deal with it? No, I don't. Um, I think because th there's just too many strings to the bow now. Yeah. It's like if if graffiti life were to completely fold up, say graffiti doesn't isn't popular anymore, and so there's no market, so all of our all of our clients disappear. Um, we've started an alternative um, advertising agency mm. where we're doing like experiential events and things like that, yeah. which is which is huge. We'll just double down on that. We have the tattoo studio. Yeah. Um, I'm a speaker. Um, I booked my like first paid speaking gig the other week. Did like, you? yeah, yeah. Which is sort of, like, so you can officially say you're a speaker. I can fit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now a paid speaker. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, I mean, speaking for it is like, that's that like speakers fees are ridiculous. Mm. Um, so I, I know I could bring in like six figures just through speaking. So I'm not worried because I've got backups, I think. Mm. Um, I would be worried if everything rode on one business, then that would, that would scare me, I think. Um, but we have, we have too many other things going on that if, if Graffiti Life closed down tomorrow, then I'd go, I'd go and work at Parlour Tattoo and I'd, just, I'd be like, okay, well, now in order for us to survive, we have to like 10x this business. Mm. And so how am I going to do that? And... And then if I was working full time on parlor, 
it would be an absolute machine. Like yeah. it's wherever I divert my my attention full time, I know that that business will be a success. Yeah. So, but that only comes through nine years of yeah, fumbles yeah. and mistakes and and just learning. Yeah. Um, what have been the biggest like learnings that you've had? Like especially, I guess, in the early days, like you said, when you're kind of scrapping around for jobs and money. Like, what were those like real struggles that you had to go through to kind of get you to this point? you know, nine years down the line. Yeah, so many. And I think that's that's why entrepreneurship for a lot of people, they're not cut out for it because it, it's because it's hard. It's really hard. Um, but I think that, I mean, if you, if you want to do something remarkable, then you have to put in remarkable effort. There's, there's, if you just do what everyone else does, you'll get what everyone else gets. So, learning learning that i have to put in the work um that like me honor and adam i mean we we don't stop um because we i'm just about to be fucking puff puff daddy now like yeah. we won't stop because <laughs> we can't stop um but like learning that work ethic learning that so um a mentor said to me when when i very first started he was like yeah you're you're working and I see you guys are doing a lot. He said, but you're not working like you're starving. Mm. And he said, picture that this is paying your bills. This is like, if you don't get these jobs in, then you're not going to have any any dinner on the table. And I had to take a good long look at myself. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I am working, but I'm not working like I'm starving because I have moved back in with my mum and dad. And mumsy's not going to let me go starving do you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, every yeah, day yeah, when yeah, i go yeah. home she is going to provide a meal and a roof over my head because she's not going to let let it go down like that so so i was like okay work like you're starving so that meant like putting in the long hours the long hours i mean we were talking before like i go to bed at, at 10 p.m mm. like that's now because i have the luxury of being able to go to bed yeah, yeah yeah but like i was working those long 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 hours i was going on um gumtree and the, I mean, this was long, boring work. I would go on Gumtree and I would go to every single free section that I could find on Gumtree. Because um, a lot of times when you advertise on Gumtree, you have to pay yeah. and we didn't have any money. So I'd go on Gumtree and I'd post graffiti artists for hire, whatever, whatever, post up photos of our work. Um, and I mean, this is a 2010 internet connection. So like uploading photos and everything. And then the because there's so many other people at that time also posting free ads on Gumtree, mm. I'd then come back the next week and do it all over again because I knew they'd disappear down yeah, the feed. Yeah. And the the equivalent of that now in 2019 is is you have to do that on Instagram. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, like we don't really have to put much work into our social media now because we've built up a decent audience and it kind of flows along nicely. But when we first started, it was it was like long, long, long when social media no longer becomes fun you don't get the dopamine hits when you're doing the gary v dollar 80 strategy and you're going through to every single relevant hashtag and you're commenting on it which it works man it Does works it? yeah yeah yes yeah. yeah, so it's incredible yeah but if you if you go through to every um every hashtag that's kind of around your niche and you just leave a comment on the top nine posts that come up for that hashtag um 
then you just you become you start community building yeah. and people it has to be like a relevant comment to what yeah, the image course. is about not just like of course the hundredth emoji or like you that's know, yeah that's how you that's heart. how you stand out because people know authentic interaction and they they see okay you've noted something really specific about what i've said in the copy or about what's posted in the picture so getting really really intentional with it but that's hard work and for most people it gets boring after like 15 minutes and they stop mm. um so it's le- it was learning to push through that mm. um and then an- another like huge learning curve was um was hiring like yeah. firstly hiring to take the pressure off yourself if there's something that you can pay someone else to do so you don't have to do it then that's amazing but secondly like hiring the right people if you bring in someone who's like toxic for the environment like that's a massive yeah. problem. People don't want to come to work anymore because there's someone there that they don't like. And that's the responsibility stops with us as employers. Like we we sat through the interview process and so like hire the right people, get into business with the right people, which is which is super hard. Um I'm not the same person now that I was 10 years ago. And so evolving with with people and as your priorities change and um I feel like I like to say sitting here now, I feel like every business that I am involved with in the future will be with Yonah and Adam because mm. I could not see any other way. We, we complement each other's weaknesses with our strengths absolutely perfectly. And I think that's super important. Um, and I, I really, really admire people who are able to do stuff on their own because I just can't, I just can't, I rely too strong. Like I'm good at a couple of things, but, I suck at everything else and I need the other people around me to to bring me up where I'm where I'm weak yeah that's it's, there's a few things I want to pick up on but the because we're on this point that idea of just being so kind of doing the work so that it's actually become so boring that you don't enjoy it anymore is so hilarious because I recorded an episode an in focus session literally yesterday um on productivity and I basically ran through the process or the, the, the processes that I do to get the podcast out. Everything from like, you know, arranging guests, getting the, the audio edited, setting up the cameras, editing the video, making the content for social media, having the interview, the, the, and like the endless list of stuff. And anyone listening would think like, oh my God, like what? Like, and you can see why a lot of people just, they start a podcast and 10, 20 episodes in. Well, seven is the magic number. Apparently seven is, is the it? average amount of podcast uh, episodes that are made by really? most people. Yeah, yeah. Because and and it's funny because when I started mine, um, I already when I started it, I was like, "Can I get to ten episodes? If I can get to ten episodes, I'm going to get to a hundred episodes." And I'm I'm nearly there, which is amazing. But like the other thing you said was about um, it, the the thing your mentor said. What was it again? Don't you're not working like you're, you're not starving. working like you're starving and this for me right now is it's kind of what I needed to hear because I'm going through a thing right now where my so me and my cousin have a flat that we own together he's moving out into another flat of his girlfriend so we're going to rent his bedroom but then I'm like in my head because I'm trying to get the coaching thing going do I go back and live with my parents for like six months and fully focus on the coaching and sort of put the freelance social media work to the side which is what's paying my bills and I was leaning more towards that, but then I had a conversation the other day and my friend was like, but like you should have the belief in yourself that you wouldn't need to move back into your parents' house because you'll work so hard, you'll make it happen that you can still pay you know, the bills and et cetera, which is working like you're starving kind of mentality. And it's like, 
when they said that to me, I was like, you're so true. Like I'm defaulting into comfort. That's what I was doing. I was defaulting towards comfort and not putting that pressure and that um, self-belief in, in myself that, which is the reason I went freelance to start the coaching in the first place is that I had the belief I could do it. And it was so interesting, like point of view when she said it, I was like, yes, that makes so much sense. And then you saying that now, I was like, yes, that makes so much sense. So it's, it's crazy when you just have like, that slight shift of perspective on anything. So that thing of, again, coming back to your one, one thought away from changing your life is because it's the perspective of the way you look at those things. And it's just, yeah, it's just super, super interesting, isn't it? Um, but yeah, also, like, one, I wanted to actually ask was, you mentioned like now you're not the same person you were 10 years ago. Like, how's your your journey changed over the years of having the business? Not necessarily, I mean, personally, but also within the company as well. Like, how's your role changed and how have you personally grown with that? It's so difficult to answer that because when you're when you're in the middle of it um so I'll, I'll have to sort of yeah try and zoom out and and look at that i guess i guess my colleagues would be the ones who could answer that mm. that better um i think confidence is like confidence just comes from doing something successfully over and over again that's how you build confidence and so when we like i mean I sit down in, in, I used to go into meetings with like some of the biggest brands in the world and I would be shaking and, mm. and I'd cover my tattoos up and, and I'd present what I thought they wanted, wanted to me hear. to be. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I would say now I'm unapologetically myself and I'll go in with my silly bright colors on and, um, and I just, and I'll just be myself and I'll, I'll be, I don't mind telling the, ceo of samsung that like their ideas suck and do you know what i mean i like i i always want to deliver the best products that i can so i'll be completely ruthlessly honest with people um so i'd say i say confidence just because we've got we've got a track record of creating amazing artwork pulling off amazing projects um and now sort of with the new company like doing all these experiential things and like we just did, I don't know if you saw the thing we did with gigs the other week. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did the the AR project with gigs, which is like, yeah, like, yeah, just like hanging out with gigs in the afternoon, like mad stuff like that. Um, so I guess, like, definitely confidence, definitely. Um, I've, I've learned, I hope successfully, I've learned to be a leader mm. um, because, and I, uh, God, I mean, yeah, you'd have to ask those guys, but I mean, they still come to work every week and like, like, I, like I think we've had, I think we've had three people leave the company mm. in the in the nine years that we've been up and running. So most people who are employed here like stay here. So I That's guess cool. that means we're doing something right. Uh, we don't have like a, a really quick turnaround of yeah, like- Yeah, people coming and going Yeah, new staff, new stuff. staff, new yeah. staff, that kind of thing. Um, so, so I guess, yeah doing that um yeah it's it's a really difficult question um and i don't know if i'm i'm self uh, self-aware enough to give you a a proper answer um because my my ego wants to tell you <laughs> all of the ways in which i'm better than i was nine years ago um and i'm yeah i mean i am intentionally like working on stuff like so um communication with my girlfriend uh 
I like I was absolutely rubbish at that. Um, mm. So, I mean, so yeah, my my business partner Yana is also my girlfriend, and um, we have grown a business together, and we've been together for nine years, and um, just like learning how to have a proper relationship. Mm. Um, I did that on the job with yeah. her. <laughs> um, so have have you learned to kind of develop the the communication side of it? Um, being I think I think a relationship is problem solving. I think that you you inherit this person with their completely unique upbringing and they have been raised by people that are completely different to the people that you were raised by and so whatever their standards and norms are are completely alien to you and it's just finding a balance of like if you can accept this thing about me then i'll accept that thing about you mm. but this is this is like this one we can't that one has to go and working out which things have to go and which things can stay that you'll accept begrudgingly and which things you like and just just working like that where and i mean we managed to live together and work together so we see each other 24 7 yeah um but i think because our goals are aligned that is what's kept us together because when i've looked at friends of mine that have broken up um i mean i've i've got a, got two friends that broke up after 15 years together and i mean yeah that which came as a massive shock to all of us because no one ever expected because they were really? always the because yeah. they were obviously together when we were really young yeah, yeah yeah and no one ever saw that coming um but i think looking at the stories it's like their goals weren't aligned anymore one of them was going in this direction. One of them was going this direction. Whereas for me and Yana, because we have the business together, we're always going in the same direction. Yeah. Our goals are always shared. So that that is really good at building the strength of the relationship. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, we used to fight all the time. Like first two or three years. I mean, I can't remember the last time we had a fight. Yeah. It just doesn't happen anymore. But that comes through practice and and growing up and being an adult and and yeah learning to learning to do it because you you only learn by practicing don't you and it's like expecting a 21 year old to have a functioning decent relationship when they've had no practice in doing that mm. it's impossible like how can you um unless you have like i suppose amazing role models in your life that that you've picked up enough of but i think that's why most young relationships don't last is because you're still learning how to do it properly. Yeah, and that's massive as well, especially like you said, if if you're not going in, or you're going in opposite directions, you can easily see how things will break down. And, you know, I'm talking from someone who hasn't had a serious long-term relationship for quite a while, but looking back... So any ladies out there? <laughs> no, not, not right now. Um, you can see how all of those, all of my past relationships have fallen apart because of that reason. Yeah. Like it's, well, so and, and I I don't like I I think I would be single if I wasn't with mm. Yona because it is always about the business and and it's always about work and and yeah if I wasn't lucky enough to to be with the person that I work with then yeah I I'd be screwed because mm. because whoever it was wouldn't be getting enough from me because it all goes into this and I guess it's the it will be the same for you it's like yeah. <laughs> telling someone like. Just to look, just so you know, your second priority is like that's not going to go yeah. down well. So sorry, I can't do anything tonight because I've got to like edit a YouTube video for the podcast, and then I've got to like make this thing and send these emails, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just want to go to Nando's. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. 
I'm all for. <laughs> um, but yeah, also like the, the sleep thing's really interesting because we were, we were sort of talking about this just before we started recording and you saying how, you know, you used to get pretty much little sleep because you were doing the late nights, those, those sort of, you know, putting it all into the business. Whereas now you kind of balance that with like six, seven hours sleep a night. Like how... Has that become more important for you, the, the sleep side of things, in terms of like making sure you're as best as you can be for the work day and to be efficient and for your relationship versus like, you know, when you're just giving it your all and the starving days, as we'll, we'll call them from here on out. The starving era. <laughs> um, I have a very weird relationship with sleep because uh, I basically slept for five years of my life. Um, so I had chronic fatigue syndrome when I was, I was diagnosed with that when I was, I think, 16 or 17. Mm. And for five years... What, what causes that? Um, so typically it follows a viral infection and okay. I just had glandular fever. Uh, so yeah, they yeah. think that that could be what it was. Um, but I was talking to our mutual friend Paul recently and I was saying to him, I think a lot of it could have been depression because um, I didn't know where I was going with my life. The only thing I enjoyed was doing graffiti and... I were and I know that like not wanting to get out of bed is definitely a sign of depression yeah. and so I think I had a maybe a ball of both of those things um together and so um sleep crippled me for five years um uh, yeah because it was about 24 that I started to to come out of it um and the only like I'd sleep in 18 hour blocks and and is, is that like was that a case of like you said, not wanting to get out of bed or is it a case of like once you're asleep, you weren't waking up for 18 Once hours? I was asleep, I'd be asleep for about 18 hours Jeez. and then I'd wake up for maybe like four or five hours and then I'd go back for another 18. Wow. I was asleep a lot. Um, I had like light sensitivity. So my my um, my curtains in my room were black so that I couldn't, so that I let no light in. Mm. And uh, I mean, it doesn't, sound very, <laughs> doesn't sound very joyful, does it? Yeah. Um, but... But literally, I think it was just uh, like one foot in front of the other. I just like gradually got out of it by routine. I had a I had a little part time job at Virgin Megastores in Croydon, so I used to I used to get like like my mum would literally come in and like put like wet flannel on my face and like literally like be shouting at me and put music on the stereo and literally like everything to to get me out of the house because yeah. I and I really didn't want to lose that job. So I did always make sure that I was there whenever my contracted hours were. And sometimes I just felt like death. Like I was mm. just so tired. And on lunch breaks, I'd go into the staff room and I'd just sleep and I'd get someone to wake me up. And it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty horrible. So, um, so I had, yeah, just a mad relationship with sleep. And then when I finally got out of it, um, I enjoyed the fact that I could, function on a little sleep because I didn't want to ever go back. So then really unhealthily, like not sleeping enough. You went the complete other way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's only been in the past couple of years that I've, I've realized what a healthy amount of sleep is. I've learned through, uh, I mean, there was a, a guest on the Rogan podcast, um, a couple of months ago that was talking about sleep. Um, and, and so that was a huge, like kind of black hole that I went down learning all about sleep and, and kind of realizing how important like your circadian rhythm and all of this sort of stuff mm -hmm. is and how one person might be great on five hours sleep, but, but like someone else might not. And I've, so I've, I've found out my like magic formula of how much I need and just learning things like looking at your phone just before you go to bed means that the first hour of sleep is basically doesn't count because you're, you're 
brain is still um, producing the the daytime chemical yeah, you need it to light. yeah and you need it to produce the nighttime chemical even if you put your phone on like on the the night, night mode, mode it doesn't matter um so yeah so i i go off screens at 9 p.m um and then yeah and then i go to bed at 10 and i just i just find it before i used to live a life of like oh, this movie's on, so oh, I'll sit through and watch it to the end and um, oh, I've just got to send these last few emails and th- things that I made priorities, but now I make sleep the priority. So it's like no matter where I'm at, at 9pm, I'm off screens mm. and 10pm, I'm home and I'm in bed. Like mm. literally, I was at a networking <laughs> event a couple of weeks ago. It was, um, well, it wasn't a networking event. It was um, for DNAD. Okay. Um, so I do quite a lot of work with DNAD and... Um, they have a, a program called New Blood Shift, which yeah. is uh, kids who don't have a degree where they can um, basically come and learn everything they need on this like crash course oh, wow, to yeah. get them into the creative industries. It's like if anyone out there it, like is in that situation where, um, and they do it at night as well so that yeah. you can work, work a day job during yeah, the day, yeah. which is fucking great. So I, I did a talk to that class um, and then this was their final showcase where they like presented their portfolios. So I went along to that and um kind of stayed afterwards and i'm chatting along to people and literally i was just like i had to like wrap this conversation up i was like because i was looking at my clock and i was like it's going to take me 20 minutes to walk home like i've got to wrap this up soon and i was like yeah i'm really sorry i go to bed at 10 p.m so i've got i've got to go um and then like (laughs) just your alarm goes off on your phone at nine and your watch at nine straight out the door yeah Yeah. Um, so yeah it's really important to me and i make sure I make sure I'm religious about it. Same as like having a cold shower in the morning, mm. which is is a, a ridiculous thing. Like I put myself through this really unpleasant thing every day, but I do it so that I'm stronger. I do it so that I know that I don't I don't go back on things that I say. Mm. Um, and I I resist comfort. I guess like I resist. It feels really nice to like watch one more episode on Netflix if that feels great. But I know that I'm going to be better the next morning if I go to bed. Yeah. So that takes priority. Yeah, I think it's also like down to, to who you are as a person because like I know some people who they'll watch that next episode on Netflix and they're completely cool with it because that's, that's what they want to do. But, you know, people like me, like you or people who might be listening to this, they'll have that little bit of resistance inside themselves that you'll watch that last episode but you'll feel that little bit bad about it. Yeah. And that that's when you should do the things that you were talking about, of like challenge yourself by pushing yourself a little bit more out of that comfort zone just to like you know slowly push further and further to the edge and see how far you can take yourself and grow and I think like the the nighttime and morning routine I'm really like big on so like you're you're saying that nine o'clock you you go off screens I'm assuming that means like all screens like TVs laptops phones any kind of LED was it is it LED light or whatever it is uh, any kind of light yeah any kind of light like I I dim the lights in my house really? like um I try and avoid pissing my girlfriend off, but um, but yeah, I I I turn the lights off and mm. and uh, yeah, because basically it was just researching sleep, and I just found yeah. that um, the less light that you can get in, the more yeah. the more you the better you'll be doing. For but your there's brain. certain types of light, isn't it? Because Anton's big on this as well. Is it red light that you blue light? Blue light. No, blue, what do you need at night time? Is it red light? Oh yeah, you can have like infrared lights. Yes, you can get like infrared lights bulbs right. and stuff in your bedroom for example so yeah. you can put the light on and you're taken in the light yeah. but it's not having that effect that a normal white light or a blue light would have yeah um, at the end of the day though it's all about happiness isn't it yeah it's all about happiness i mean for me 
I I try stuff and I I research a load of stuff and I listen to a million podcasts and if someone says something that piques my interest, yeah, then I go okay, well I'm going to try that. It's like you did with your uh, hundred days of meditation. Mm. Like I try something and then if it works for me, I incorporate it into my routine because otherwise, like there's there's no point if if going to bed at 10 p.m. hadn't like wielded really great results for me, then I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. But it has, so I've I've kept on. Yeah. And what's your, what's your routine then between nine and ten when you actually do go to bed? Do you have like a set uh, like routine of things, or is it just like that's your window to not take on taking any light or at least light as possible? Yeah, I don't take in in, in any light, so um, so that restricts like the amount of things that you can do. Mm. Um, so I'll me and Yonah will have a conversation, mm. um, which is like when you know that you're not allowed to conversation in 2019 right Mm -hmm. when you know you're not allowed to look at your phone because it it screws up your eyes so um yeah i'll do that i'll have a chat with yana i'll um i'll like ring my mum or my grandma you know like get like housekeeping stuff out of the way um and i have like a a sort of i guess it's kind of like a meditation but i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's a meditation but like I'll, i'll stick a podcast on and and just kind of start to relax and get get my head away from thinking about oh i've got to do that quote tomorrow and i've got yeah i've got to plan a presentation or what write a speech or whatever it is and yeah and i just work um on relaxing stuff and enjoyable stuff like um i'm this is very very ultra niche but um i'm a massive fan of japanese pro wrestling (laughs) really yeah so i'll listen to podcasts that talk about like tanahashi versus okada and i'm just like yeah and that's my happy place so I'll, I'll allow myself sort of like half an yeah. hour um to to go and, and live in the in the world of uh the japanese wrestlers that's and, uh, awesome yeah <laughs> that's wicked i never knew that that's so cool uh, yeah it's, think- it's um yeah it's it's very niche but um i used to watch like wwe yeah. and uh, and that sort of stuff um in fact we've just booked um someone from wwe to come on the podcast which is really? amazing oh, yeah mates. incredible incredible but um but yeah, so I, I used to be like really into that and then just somehow I got introduced to, to the Japanese stuff and then I stopped watching any American stuff and it's just like the Japanese product is just, the storytelling is incredible. The I, I listen to it with Japanese commentary. I can't speak Japanese, but the announcers, they just get like so excited about yeah. it and then and then you hear them call english moves which yeah. is hilarious like yeah. they should be like suplexer you're just like yeah suplex so yeah. cool i love it so you just listen to it and uh, no no so i watch it but i'll listen to podcasts about oh, wow. about okay. japanese pro wrestling yeah oh, okay so yeah there's a there's a show called the wrestling observer that i listen to religiously uh, uh, awesome that's so i love stuff like that and it's just that little thing that's just like a little bit weird a little bit out there but it's just like you can't help but love it but that's the thing because it because like you know me like whenever we talk all i talk about is like business or yeah, entrepreneurship yeah, yeah. or work or or focus or drive or and it's like we all do have to have like um you've had gary v on your show like his his thing is the new is um watching football like yeah, like yeah. the new york jets um my thing's japanese by wrestling we've yeah. all we've all got to have that one thing yeah. that's away from work that you can just oh, mate, mine, geek out about mine is totally football as well man like you know as you know i've got a football podcast as well and it's just like when i'm not in work mode when i'm not you know having family time it's like i'm at the football watching it or watching it on tv like whenever arsenal are playing it's like those two hours like that's what i'm doing you can guarantee it. if i'm not at the game i'm watching it and sometimes i go and travel to like the away games or to European games and me and my mates make a thing of it and it's like even from that we've been to some awesome places and like you know like Brussels 
Dortmund, Munich, Monaco, like Lisbon recently, like all these places, Madrid, where like we've just traveled just because of football, but then we make a little like three day trip out of it. Yeah. And we have like a little like excursion to like a new city that we've not been to. And it's just so, so like, we amazing. did a, we did a job for Arsenal actually a few years ago. Um, we painted like, you know, outside the stadium, they've got yeah. those concrete, um, like anti-terror blocks. Uh, we painted like five or six of those. No, in fact, it was more than that. Anyway, we painted those blocks and um, it was a like, big campaign with Nike. And um, as part of that, we got, um, I don't think they're even sponsored by Nike anymore, no, are they? So yeah, it was no. going, going back a bit. But um, we got given some tickets to go and see a game. Mm. So I thought, okay, look, you've, you were never the football kid at school. <laughs> you always hated those guys. Like I, I was off like, listening to Nirvana and bunking off games. So, um, so I, I never, like, I was never friends with the football kids. So I was like, all right, look, you've always said you don't like football, but let's give it a go. So, and I, I fully went on with the expectation because I know when I take someone to watch wrestling that the experience is so phenomenal that even if they don't, even if they aren't interested in wrestling, which most people aren't, um, <laughs> when they go along, they will have a good time because yeah, you, yeah. you get kind of instantly when a guy comes out, you know if they're a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they're, yeah. they're very good at like instantly, as soon as you see them, like they're dressed like a prick and they're just like being a dickhead to the crowd. You know that's a bad guy. And then the good guy comes out and everyone cheers and you can, it's very easy story to buy into. So I was like, look, uh, Emirates Stadium, I don't know, I was like, what is it, 60,000 people yeah. held there? I was like, okay, so 60,000 people, it'll be a hell of an atmosphere let's go and I'm going to go and try and enjoy this. I fucking hated it. <laughs> it was rubbish. Oh my God. And Adam actually said to me, he was like, it was the worst game ever. It was like a nil, nil draw. Yeah. But yeah, and, uh, and it, it was just, it was not exciting. It was cold. It was lonely. And everyone I met there was an idiot. And I just, I did not enjoy it at all. So, um, so yeah, football has not won me yeah. over. That's hilarious. Unfortunately. On the flip side, if you ever want, need someone to go Japanese pro wrestling when they come over here, I'm I'm up for it. Man. We'll go, man. Yeah, they do it. Um, they do uh, it out the road. Yeah, but in cool, Bethnal Green, you? at your yeah. call, yeah, it's seen, super fun. It's 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 really it's a really good show. Yeah, that's wicked. Oh man, I'm so happy I found that out now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that the kind of morning and nighttime routine for me is super important. Like my nighttime routine is I, it's not as strict as my morning routine, but like nighttime, I'll tend to switch off my laptop at like. So I, I go to bed at like 11. So I tend to switch off my laptop like half, nine, 10. And then I kind of ease into this really slow, like getting ready for bed routine of like, sometimes I'll, I like me and my foam roller are like best mates at the minute. So foam roller, if anyone doesn't know, is like a little, like it's like a giant rolling pin, which is like really fat and it's obviously foam and you kind of use it to like massage your muscles. So you literally imagine yourself sitting on top of it and then you roll it down the back of your legs. It's like that. Um, and I do that like all over my legs and it's just like the best thing ever. So I do that, which takes like 15 minutes. And then I'm a little I'll, bit turned on right now. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll do like meditation and then I'll read while I'm in bed and then, yeah. And then pretty much get myself into bed. Yeah. And it's like a really slow, like unwinding process, which is like, so, and I sleep like a baby. Like we were talking about dreaming before. It's like, I, I will fall asleep like that. And then I'll wake up in the next moment and it's been like, my alarm's going off and I'm like, I have no idea what's happened. That's it. I mean, you know, when you go to bed and you're stressed and you're worried about, you've got something coming up and you've got deadlines and all of that sort of stuff. You don't, you don't sleep properly. You have to just like let go of it before you get into bed. Um, and that, and that does take time. 
Uh, and I think just diving straight from the laptop from work, um, because obviously like with what we do and probably a, a lot of listeners to your show is like they're doing their own thing. They're doing their thing for themselves. Mm. So that takes up like so much time. And when you dive from the laptop and the deadlines and uh, oh, I've got to like working like you're starving, like yeah. you've got to get those, you've got to get those jobs in because you've got to eat. Mm. Um, and then going straight into bed with that, it's like, yeah, if you can, if you can take some time to separate from that and then that's work life and work is not important. Work is not important. Like I, I always say that to everyone who works here because I know some of them get, so stressed and upset and and like we had we had a project go wrong recently um because we were given incorrect dimensions of a wall oh, no. and when you're painting on a wall that's a that's a big fuck up like yeah. um and so they gave you the wrong dimensions somewhere along the line there was a miscommunication oh, i don't know where it happened but but we were basically we were working under un, with the wrong dimensions for this wall and like everything that conceivably could have gone wrong on this project went wrong and one of one of our project managers was so stressed about it and to the point of tears um when i and i literally just had to sit down with her and just say this is not important mm. this is work and i said if we lose if we lose the job fine if we lose the client fine i was like it does it doesn't matter yeah, exactly. you have you have to you have to step away from work because work is not the be all and end all of of your life i think seeing as you spend a third of your life in work then if it's not bringing you pleasure, then don't do it. Like if it's making you stressed or it's freaking you out or you've got, or, or every day you're working with clients that you can't stand, change change your job or, cha or change your clients. Mm. Um, because, oh, I mean, no one no one lays on their deathbed and, and goes, oh, I'm so glad that I won <laughs> that contract back in 2019 and, yeah. and I got an extra 10K in my, like, no, yeah. no one well, cares about that. I'm still pissed off about that client that yeah. I lost back in Yeah, know, exactly. It's, it's, it's not important. Mm. Um, what's important is, is connections and relationships and friendships and all of that sort of stuff. It's, mm. it's yeah, we've got, we've got to take work for what it is, which is a means to an end. Like work is there to, to provide your living um mm. but it doesn't have to be mm. grueling and a hard challenge it can be fun it can yeah. be really fun your guess is like the point of your podcast really is like you guys have kind of done that here with okay like you said it's been very hard work to get the company to where it is and there's been the struggles and the highs and you know the dimension you know mess ups and stuff like that but ultimately you're doing it because your passion is like you said it's the graffiti side of it, it's the art side of it it's that and you know you've got this podcast which is now encouraging people to i wouldn't say leave their nine to five but if you're doing something that you're not happy doing go and do something that you are happy doing yeah i think if if i could get anyone to have one takeaway from our podcast it's happiness because if working where you work currently and watching netflix and whatever it is because when you work for someone else that allows you to have your free time is your free time when you work for yourself you don't really have any free time because you're you're probably working on the business so if that makes you happy do more of that do whatever it is that makes you happy i mean the show is called creative rebels for a reason mm. like we what like everything everything we've done that has been rebellious starting the podcast was rebellious because literally i don't know if i've told you this story but literally the first thing i did was when we thought okay i think 
probably podcast is the right thing for us to do. I started Googling like how to start a podcast, all that sort of stuff. Found a blog and you know the comments underneath a blog. Mm. First comment was this guy saying, uh, you can't you can't start a podcast now. Uh, it's an oversaturated market. And unless you've got like a big brand behind you, you'll never be heard by anyone. Yeah. Straight away, I took a screen grab of it. I love it. Straight away, I was like, right, well, we're definitely, definitely doing it <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to smash it. Um, because I love being told that we can't. Um, and I th- and I think like rebellion is so important. I mean, we spoke earlier about me rebelling when I was when I was a kid. And I mean, I didn't really know I can articulate it much better now, like what how I was feeling in that time. And I didn't feel like I had a voice and um, I didn't feel like I was seen. And like by creating my artwork to a certain like subculture of people, mm. I was seen. And that was um, I think there's there's cultural things that were going on and and just yeah that that was the path i took but when you look at what society how it's designed like how school is designed how everything is to make us to fit into a box and i get on the tube sometimes and i look at like everyone playing candy crush on their phone and and they're dressed in the same clothes and they're going to the same job and they're in the same routines and it's like society doesn't want us to rebel but the ones that do are the ones that find the happiness. Yeah. And for me, I'm all, I'm all about do whatever makes you happy. I think that's the meaning of life. Yeah. I think the point of all of this is to make yourself and other people happy. Um, and so as long as you're not hurting anyone. So if that's, yeah, that's what we want to do with the show is, is unlock that. Like we have found so much happiness in working and in creating and in building like progressing basically i think progression and happiness are very strongly tied for me and so we found so much happiness doing that and then we just started getting through graffiti life we just started getting all of these emails literally i mean we probably get one or two emails a week from an artist or a creative saying oh i noticed that you've done this like how did you do this or and asking all of these questions and it was just like well we can answer those questions on a podcast and then and then we can reach rather than spending 30 minutes writing back to one person we can put it out online and reach like 2000 people yeah and how how like meticulous were you in in terms of like the planning and the process of like getting the podcast out there because i know when we when we first met was like i'm gonna say like november 2017 or something and you came up to me and you're like i want to start this podcast and like can I can I just ask like some tips and advice? And we had a chat about it, and then I think we emailed a couple times, and then I didn't really hear much until like I think it was like nine months later when you're like, oh, so we're gonna finally get this podcast going, like da 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 da. This is the idea of it, like, and then it, we did the conversation, then evolved into like me coming in and you know guesting on it and stuff like that. Um, so how how yeah how meticulous was that planning process in terms of like this is what we want it to be, this is how we're gonna do it this is how we're going to book guests. This is how we're going to put it out. This is how we're going to launch it and all of that. Um, So having read that comment saying it's not possible, uh, we realized that we wanted to, we wanted to launch at number one because as soon as you have that, then you can always say number one podcast Um, because we did, because we did launch at number one. So I think a lot of people, one, one thing I talk about a lot on the podcast is there's no such thing as a big break because i think everyone is waiting for their big break oh if i if i just get discovered by so and so or 
and it, it does happen to some people it's like you can upload a photo to instagram and if at instagram feature it on their page yeah. then all of a sudden you're going to have a guaranteed like five hundred thousand followers that's just how it works mm. but rather than playing that lottery of like just posting and hoping instagram finds it or yeah. hoping someone finds it it's like we decided to be calculated so um people look at the podcast and on the surface of it because it debuted at number one it got featured on new and noteworthy all of these things happened to it um we've been con like contacted by amazing like potential sponsor partners and all of that sort of stuff it looks on the surface like we had a big break we had a lucky like oh it launched and it was a huge success um we spent a year planning and building relationships with various influencers so that on launch day, we knew that they would all share it because we provided so much value to them. Mm -hmm. um, again, like we, we, I know we both have consumed a lot of, of Gary V's content and obviously he's been a guest on your show um, and learning from him of like not approaching people with what can you do for me, like approaching them with what can I do yeah. for you. Um, which is exactly what we did. We reached out to loads of different influencers. Um, I hate that word. I don't class, like they're now just our friends, yeah, which course, is the amazing yeah. side effect of doing this is um, I think there's there's influencer marketing, which is transactional. I pay you X amount to promote whatever it is that I've got, my products or my service or my podcast or whatever it is here's this money and then it's a one-time thing and then then they move on with their life mm. to their next to their next uh, gig whereas if you build a relationship with an influencer or influencers then you say to them you drop them a text and go hello mate we've got a new episode coming out could you mention it on your instagram stories and they go yeah sure in perpetuity because they're your friends yeah do you know what i mean it's yeah. like and and you you grow together yeah, um yeah. and i'm I'm all for us, for everyone, like helping each other. And that's, that's one of the things I love about podcasts as well is that it's, there's no, no one's trying to win. Like we're all just trying to get, get our show listened to by as many people. And we know that we know because we all listen to podcasts ourselves. I think anyone who's got a podcast listens to them Yeah, and you know how you consume podcasts yourself. You can never get enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's like, it makes sense to just like collaborate with everyone. Mm. Um, so I think basically we spent a year um, building these relationships because we knew we wanted to bring interesting people on the show, on the show. So we started reaching out to people that we thought would be interesting to bring value to our audience. Um, but when you've got, when you have no metrics or data to back you up, so uh, one of so episode one we had Emma Gannon, and she's obviously got a huge podcast herself, like um, million, like literally millions of downloads, and we reached out to her with zero downloads, yeah, yeah, and we just crafted a really good email that just laid out what we wanted to do with the show, and she said that sounds great, yeah, I'll do it. Um, for her, that would have been a risk because that's an hour of her time plus traveling here and yeah, tra like yeah. that's going to be two or three hours out of her day um which is a big commitment for something which we might have just lasted seven episodes and in fact the odds are most people only last seven exactly, episodes yeah. so she took a gamble but it it paid off because um because she got in contact recently and said thanks because it's 
her audience is 90% female, but she's been getting a lot of um, messages from guys mm. saying, heard you on the Creative Rebels podcast. Mm. Yeah, I'd never heard of her. Yeah. Maybe you told me I was the first episode of yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like, who's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's great. Yeah. So she reached out and she was like, I just want to thank you because it's it's changing my audience slightly and I'm picking up a lot more male followers, mm. which is great because you don't have to be a girl to get a lot out of what yeah, Emma yeah, talks about. Exactly. Her book, Multi-Hyphen Theory, Multi-Hyphen Method, not a theory. I called it that on the podcast. We had to edit it. I got a fucking book name wrong. Multi, <laughs> the multi-hyphen method um, is is incredible, and I yeah. think it's it's something that everyone needs to read. Um, it's yeah, it's it's a really excellent book yeah. um, that that basically talks about um, the multi-hyphen method is how you can have multiple um, income streams. So you can be so she's like a blogger, a speaker, a writer, a journalist. Like she does, she does all of these different things, mm. and and each one of them earn different money in different ways yeah. which is amazing so reaching out to people like that having them take the chance on us um getting them to believe in our vision and and then and then on launch day just relying on everyone all people that were guests or future guests to get them to share it mm. and people who were just our friends um and and yeah it worked it it shot to number one and it's just been a massive success yeah. so yeah yeah. in love with the whole Mate, process uh, honestly it. i was so happy when i saw when you because you sent me the screenshot of it at like number three i think and you were like Ugh. we and thought then, that was as far as it's gonna yeah, get and then like we've 20 minutes later it was like number one i was like oh crap that's it's mad yeah. it's mad we've got a number three balloon in in the office there which still hasn't deflated oh, really? that number three balloon was yeah it was because um yonna and a couple of the other guys went out and bought a cake with three candles on it yeah. and, the, and the balloon because we we stayed at three for a, like a long time, yeah. and we thought well, it's not gonna it's not gonna get any better than yeah. that. So because um, yeah, because it was um, in front of us was NPR and Tim Ferriss at number one, and we were like, there's no way no. we're going to overtake those. Yeah. And we stayed here till probably about like six o'clock, and then Adam was like, okay, we high fived. We were like number three. That was a really awesome. really good effort. Yeah. And then Adam went home. And then um, we stopped checking the iTunes chart, but Adam didn't. Mm. And so he texted us and was like, he just wrote number one. And and Yona got the text before I did. So she started freaking out. And I was like, what? What's wrong? Because yeah. she's just it, so it was screaming. past nine o'clock and your phone was off. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I think it was about like seven or eight when we found out. But um, but yeah, uh, yeah, we got to number one. And it was just, yeah, yeah that was a surreal, a surreal kind yeah. of moment. But But now that has helped us leverage kind of getting future guests exactly, yeah. because we can now go, oh, we debuted at number one on the iTunes business chart. Um, we're doing, we're doing a live, a live podcast. Um, well, we're doing, I think we're doing four live podcasts in the Apple store oh, in so. June, um, which is going to be, which is going to be really cool. Yeah. But yeah, like just getting all of these opportunities from something that was literally just designed to help other people. Yeah. It, just, it just makes me think like how, and I do a lot already, but like how much more I could do in terms of like reaching out to bigger name guests, like the, the Apple thing that you've just mentioned, like seeking out those opportunities rather than I'm quite like, no, I'm going to do everything myself and things will happen and da, 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 da. Like, and just that being that little bit proactive, like you said, reaching out to Emma Gannon on the whim that, okay, we've got, we haven't got a podcast as it stands. We haven't got any listeners. We haven't got anything, but do you want to come on it? Because this is the idea of it. And her then being like, yeah, that sounds wicked. It's exactly the kind of thing you should be. No, we got, we got no's as exactly well. Exactly, with the expectation that it will be a no yeah. and not expecting the yes. 100%. Yeah, we got some no's from some people you would have heard of. Yeah. Um, there's there's one who, um, who said no, but I'm going to go back now 
well, I'm going to go back when we're when we're really big. Yeah. Um, just because I have to prove it wrong, like they made the wrong decision and should have and yeah. should have come on in the beginning. Um, but yeah, yeah, we yeah we got some no's. Um, but that's yeah that's expected. And yeah. and yeah, if you if you go in with the expectation of a no, then when you get a yes, then that's a beautiful thing yeah, for sure. Definitely. But yeah, I, and I think that's that's one thing that a lot of creatives have is that you you spend all your time on the on the craft and the products but 50 percent of it is telling people that it exists and mm. the marketing and all of yeah. that sort of stuff and things happen like being being a rebel like being brave like we expect that oh you oh you can't email russell brand for example you can't email russell brand because because it will just say no because he's it's like or he won't answer russell because he's russell brand yeah so 99 of the people don't send the email but like do you know what I mean you've you've got to send the email because exactly. if he if you send the right email that and, yes. and you and you get it on the right day because exactly. that's the thing it's all a gamble but if he opens it on the day that he's feeling and he and something there resonates then it's going to be a yes yeah. but you only do that through sending one to russell brand one to tim ferris one to gary v exactly. do you know what i mean and then you'll get one of them you will yeah. if you send a hundred of those emails you're well, not guaranteed, but you're bound to surely yeah. land one or one like slightly intrigued. Oh yeah, that could be quite yeah. cool kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it just makes me think that I do like even when I send the emails to potential guests, I massively undersell. Like I have I have an amazing email that I send, but I put in it. Yeah, I reached the top ten in the health and lifestyle charts, which is true, but it's also a lie because it got to the top three. So I need to start putting top three in there. Yeah. Because it's like I'm I'm underselling send, it. To, send a screen grab of of the position yeah. in the chart. I think visual is is really important. So yeah, they see it. True. And yeah, so we we send out a PDF um that's got it's got the lineup of like kind of our top four guests yeah. who are like big names that most people would have heard of. Um and yeah we send that out and um and we yeah we shout about the fact yeah number one on the iTunes business chart we yeah we shout about all of it yeah you you can't undersell it because it is true at the end of the day and people they're going to want to associate with that they're going to want to be on that podcast because it's going to be it's going to be good for them to be on it well yeah amazing man honestly like for for the podcast particularly right now because obviously the interest I've got in it in terms of like it being a podcast and my mate's doing it and it's doing really well I'm really excited to see like how far you guys can push it because I know you are so meticulous with it that I know you will like push it to like ridiculous heights. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some like serious A-list names on it by the end of the year, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, man, I just want to like, you know, last few questions, but I want to thank you for your time before we do um, because yeah, it's just been amazing. And also like letting us use the office to film and stuff like that, man. It, you know, it means a lot because it helps what we're doing and, you know, I don't know what benefit you're getting from it, but yeah. Other nice. than us keeping you here late on like the old <laughs> Tuesday and Thursday night. It's fine, man. I yeah. I, I think we're, we're very lucky to have this space. Yeah. Um, it's an, inc- it's an incredible studio. And, and if, if you can benefit from that, that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. I know I'm going to get a load of emails now from people saying, oh, can I hey, use your studio? Please, please. <laughs> uh, his email is, no, um, it's david at graffitilife.co.uk. I always, I always give my email out because yeah. I, I just think, yeah, if I can help people, I will. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I mean, the reason I let you use this studio is because you're my friend. Yeah. Um, and it, and you, like, we don't have a, a relationship of, of like, you're using me for my studio or anything like that. Mm. You, I didn't, like, when you ask for something, you have, there has to be like a baseline relationship yeah. first. 
Um, and I think if you'd just cold emailed me and said, oh, I hear you've got a studio in Shoreditch. Yeah, exactly. Can I can I use it? It would have been a no. Exactly. I think it was actually you that said to me, oh, if you ever want to use this for like recording, you're more than welcome. And I was like, well, actually, I just like got kicked out of not yeah. kicked out. They, they closed down of where I was recording. And it just happened like that, which is wicked. Um, but yeah, f- final few questions, um, which I'm sure you've probably already know what they are because you've, you've listened to a few apps. But um, if we could rewind time, and go and speak to a younger version of yourself. So train track, train track David, if we could go and speak to him and we could give him three bits of advice of things to start doing from that very moment, what would those three things be? So young me wouldn't listen to old me because I wasn't trying to hear anything from anyone mm. at that age. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I couldn't see the future. Um, all I knew was that I loved doing graffiti, but that, I mean, it wasn't a career option when I was 20, mm. but it just wasn't. There was no job that was professional graffiti artist and public acceptance of the art form wasn't there. There was no market for it. No yeah. one would have bought what we were selling. Um, it was just it was just good timing. So, um, I mean, going back, if, if I was to listen, um, I would say draw more. Um, don't waste your time with shit that you don't care about. Um, and yeah, because I mean, yeah, draw more because the more, the more that I practiced, the better I got, but I found too much other stuff to, uh, distract myself with, um, when I should, when I should have just been drawing and focusing on the artwork. Um, I would say, um, what's the second one I said? Uh, don't do stuff you don't care about. Oh yeah, don't do shit that you don't care about. Fuck, that's just crucial. Um, yeah, whatever it is, and we we touched on this when we did an episode with our friend Anton. Um, but if yeah, if you're doing something and it's not forwarding you towards your goals, then why are you doing it? So, um, so I guess the third thing was find out what you want. I think that would be the, and that's the most important one is find out what you want. Because it's not, most people don't know what they want. Mm. I, I truly believe that in life, most people don't know what they want. And they're just kind of carrying on in these paths that, that are sort of expected and that they they see. But what do you really want? Because as soon as you open the mental space to find out what you really want, then it's then that's when you can achieve it because you, you then have goals rather than like dreams. Um, dreamers disease Um, and you can just get you can get more concrete in your actual steps to making those things happen yeah we kind of answered the next question here because the next question is uh, what does the dreamers disease mean to you what's the definition to you yeah well i mean it's it's that it's um it's dreams are great but like plans and goals and concrete action is better like action over everything like Mm. i say that to everyone like jump out the plane and build the parachute on the way down. Like, just go, just go, just do it. Just fucking act. Mm. Like, act, fucking do it, right? <laughs> like, you you have to do it. Um, everyone is just so caught up. They're fucking trapped and they're, they have good intentions and 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 dreams. And it's, it's fucking bollocks. Like, you've got to do it. Yeah, You've got to do it. Otherwise, like, otherwise it's just a dream and it's, fucking ethereal and it doesn't exist you've got to make it actually happen yeah 
And how do you make it happen? You act, you do something, you take the first step. It's like our company, this everything that you see here is built upon me taking a canvas and an easel into a high street, into Croydon High Street and drawing on the canvas, handing out these crap business cards that we made out to people. Literally, that was step mm. one. Like when you talk about startup costs, like 50 quid for a canvas and pens and easel and my bus ticket. I mean, that's literally our startup costs because the first thing you have to do in any business is get people to realize that you exist. And the only way that we knew how to do that, I mean, we knew that we had to build a website, but we researched SEO and we knew that was going to take time. We had to start link building and getting people to link to our website so that Google would index it and it would be found easier. And if people were searching for graffiti artists that we'd pop up, we knew that was all, all going to take time, but we didn't have the luxury of time because we like, I wanted to move out of my mum's house for yeah. a start. So I just started drawing in the street and I didn't want to do it. I was shit scared of it. I'd always made my art at night with no one watching and then I could fuck off in the, and it would be there in the morning for people to see it. So that was completely out of my comfort zone. But I mean, to an extent I got bullied into it, but I knew that they were saying the right thing. Like, yeah, we have to be out there. We have to be talking to people, meeting people. Just went to a high street. And from that, we got one job. Mm -hmm. We got one job, which was a yoga studio. And then from that yoga studio, we got another job. And then we started building up our portfolio sending that out to more people, cold emailing people, turning up at people's places of work, knocking on the doors saying, do you need a mural? Showing them the mural of the yoga studio. But it all starts with that one first step. Everything starts with the first step. Yeah. So you need to take action on your yeah. fucking dreams. I know I said that, that that first step can be the hardest one. It is once you take one. the first 100%. step, then the second step has to follow. Yeah. Then the third step has to follow. So Yeah, well, so I think I think the first step is hard. And then... The second, third, and fourth steps kind of the momentum carries you forward. But then there's a then there's a, a dodgy middle middle ground where those steps are hard mm. because the initial excitement of starting whatever it is you're doing carries you through to a certain degree. But then, then you and we talked about it earlier. But then, much worse than hard work is boredom. Yeah. And as soon as the boredom kicks in, because when you're putting out instagram posts and tweets and stuff and you're literally getting zero reaction and no one likes it no one responds to it no one comments with it that's hard yeah. and it's boring because there's no chemical reaction of oh people are interested in what i'm saying and most people quit there and it's that it's that middle sticky point if you can get through the first step and then the then that middle that middle ground which is really tricky once you push through that that's when the success comes. Yeah, 100%. And I always say three years is that. Sorry, I'm I'm really going now. You've got me no, fucking no, fired no, I up. Could, I can tell. But, <laughs> but three years, it seems to be, from all the guests we've had on, three years seems to be the point where the magic starts to happen. Yeah. Where you go, actually, I've got, like, I've got a wealth of work behind me now. Like, I've been doing this for three years. People are taking me seriously. I've got a couple of, like, clients that... that I work with regularly or whatever it may be, but three years or I'm being, or my audience is really starting to grow. Um, I think three years, I, there's an artist I follow on Instagram who posted up recently, um, just got to 10,000 followers, only took me three years. I'm so happy. And I fucking love that attitude because most people, if you grab them off the street and said, I'm, I'm going to give you 10,000 followers on Instagram, but it's going to take three years. They'd go, oh, it's too nah, long. It's, long yeah. it's too long. Whereas he reframed it and was like, 
only took me three years. If you can look at it that way, then you're then you're golden mm. because then you're like, oh, it only took me three years. Maybe in five years I'll get to a hundred thousand. Yeah, and it's it's that's all you need. It's just to keep going through when those patches when it when it's difficult and it's boring. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I, and I feel like the way that you've already spoken about how happiness is kind of like the point of everything. But what does happiness mean to you? Progression. Uh, they're, yeah, they're so tied up together for me. Uh, it's like, it's like, yeah, the podcast is doing great, but like, what can we do with it now? Like, I want to do some, some weird, weird stuff with it. That's not been done before. Um, like, like that was a thing with graffiti life is, is painting murals and using AR technology so that the mural comes to life. Yeah. Really exciting. Um, yeah, it's, it's progression and so it's progression tied up with me personally um and then it's it's helping other people um that makes me really happy and it's only in the past sort of couple of years that i've started to realize that that everything that i've been doing has always had that theme from um from working in the primary school to to literally the paintings that i was creating even though i knew i was doing it illegally i was trying to brighten up someone's day mm. i wasn't painting like i didn't used to paint words in the street i used to paint images yeah. um and so i was i was trying to i was basically creating street art before that term was yeah. was sort of bandied about like it is now um but yeah it's always been trying to yeah trying to help people or impact people positively um so that that makes me really happy yeah. as well awesome man and we'll look that's all we we have for today but before we sign up properly can you let people know where they can find you online where they can find the podcast how they can find out more about the business anything you want to kind of shout about really yeah so i i hate this at the end of uh, end of an interview because i like i have such a long list but um i'm at david speed uk across any social networks like linkedin um instagram and twitter um creative rebels is the podcast if you just search creative rebels on any platform you'll find us and um we have an instagram for that which is at rebels create because creative rebels has been taken and um our businesses are um at all over uk at parlor tattoo and at graffiti underscore life um, if you want to check out any of our businesses, but if you just follow me at David Speed UK, then I normally kind of tweet about different things that are going on in the different businesses, and you yeah. can see our work from there. But um, but yeah, if anyone wants to check it out, yeah. that's uh, that's I'm where sure we're at. they will after this. I'm sure they will. Um, but look, man, as I said, thank you uh, not just for your time, but for use of the space for you know having the wicked conversations that we normally have, uh, for being you, for putting out amazing stuff, for helping people, for everything you kind of do. It's it's really inspiring to see from from my point of view and i'm sure others uh, so i really appreciate it no my pleasure man i always i always like chatting with you so. yeah awesome man well look that's it for now um thanks again and yeah we'll catch you guys next time so there we go guys that was david's story and i love this chat so much and david's views on happiness and doing the work in which you enjoy you know it's particularly reassuring for me especially hearing it from someone who has built up a business over a number of years and you know that kind of position I am in my life right now where I'm kind of building a coaching business but also doing freelance work so it's really reassuring to hear from David someone who's been through that journey and, and talks about the happiness that he's got through his work and that really struck home for me and really gave me belief in what I'm trying to do and will go on to do 
And I believe there's a lot that each of us can take from that. It's a very powerful message that if you're doing something that you're not happy with, then don't do it. Stop doing it. It doesn't have to be immediate, but as long as you work towards how you can stop doing it and go on to doing something that makes you more happy, then that is where life will be lived at its fullest. So before we sign out, it would be amazing if wherever you're listening to this right now, you could take a screenshot, post it on your Insta story, tag me, tag David, and I will connect with you there to pick up the conversation. And if there's also someone who you think would really benefit from listening to this episode, then do make sure you share it with them. Again, it's all about sharing the love, sharing the messages and getting the positive vibes out there. But if you do want to connect with me separately, you can get me on Twitter at I am Alex Manzi or Instagram at I am Alex Manzi, which is where I hang out the most. But until then, I will see you next time. I'll chat to you online because I know that you guys love getting in contact and make sure you go out there and chase your dreams. This podcast is produced by Unedited.